0: I don't mean just one or two of us all of us now you you may be sitting here thinking hey simmer down now fat rock I was here last week I'm here today that's two weeks in a row I'm not denying anybody <laughs> you're right at this moment you aren't denying him we just had offering and, and worship service and communion and uh, what were you doing last night what were you doing last week After we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, you went home, you went to work, you went to school, you went back into the community. And I would guarantee that sometime before this week, before today, you betrayed him. You denied him. You did it with your attitude, if you're wondering how. You did it with your gossip. You did it with your little white lies. You did it with your moderate drinking that turned into something more than moderation. You did it with your time on the computer and the places that you went while you were on the computer. You did it with the way you treated your coworkers. You you did it. You betrayed him. You you denied him with the way that you treated your husband or your wife. You did it maybe with the way that you treated your kids. So my question for you today is this, do you want to experience God in forgiveness? Yes. Thank you. That's one. Do you want restoration in your own life? Do you want restoration in your relationship with Him? I know I do. So I have another question. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Okay, good. Now we're, now we're getting Do you love Him? Yes. Do you want to achieve the goal of restoration in your life? Yes. Do you want to truly experience God through forgiveness and new beginnings? Yes. Do you want to honor God with your life? Yes. Do you want to start fresh today? Yes. Not looking back, not hanging on to what you did yesterday. You know, last Sunday I shared with you a scripture. It was Luke 24, verse 12. It was about Peter and his reaction to the empty tomb. Listen to this. Luke twenty-four, twelve. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. I said last week this was a beginning point in my opinion for Peter. It was at this point I think that he began to truly understand what Jesus was all about. This is where his journey from fisherman to shepherd began. Will you pray with me? Father God, I, I thank you. I thank you that we can for for every day for a Christian is resurrection Sunday, or is resurrection day. I thank you that that you want restoration with us. I thank you that you want us to to be restored to you. I thank you that you are a God of forgiveness and you want us to experience you through forgiveness. I thank you that no matter what we have done or said, no matter what our impulse was, that when we ask, you forgive us and, and you move forward with restoration and you forget what it was that we've done. I thank you for that. I stand in awe of that. And I pray that that concept will sink into who we are today. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So, what about you? Are you willing to travel, to change, to to, to change from from fisherman to shepherd? I want to share with you today John chapter 21. And and it's where Jesus appears to his disciples. We're going to start with verse 1. Jesus later appeared to his disciples along the shore of Tiberius of Lake Tiberius, Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the brothers James and John were there, together with two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. The others said, hey, we'll go with you. They went out to their boat, but they didn't catch a thing that night. Last week I talked about that when, when things happen, when confusion happens, we go back to the known. And, and this is kind of it. Jesus has, has risen from the grave, He's only appeared to his disciples twice at this point. And so they're still in that place of a little bit of confusion. And they went back to the known. They went fishing. Early, verse 4, early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize who he was. Jesus shouted, friends, have you caught anything? No, they answered. So he told them, let your net down on the right side of your boat and you will catch some fish. They did and the net was so full of fish that they could not drag it up into the boat. Jesus' favorite disciple told Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on the clothes he had taken off while he was working and then he jumped into the water. The boat was only about a hundred yards from the shore. So the other disciples stayed in the boat and dragged in the net full of fish. When the disciples got out of the boat, they saw some bread and a charcoal fire with fish on it. And Jesus told his disciples, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon Peter got back into the boat and dragged the net to shore. In it were 153 large fish, but still the net did not rip. Jesus said, come and eat. None of the disciples dared ask who he was. They knew he was the Lord. Jesus took the bread in his hands and gave some of it to his disciples. He did the same thing with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Uh, From death. When Jesus and his disciples had finished eating, he asked Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than any, than the others do? Simon Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Verse 16, Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus told him. Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times if he loved him. So he told Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. I tell you for certain that when you were a young man, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will hold out your hands. Then others will wrap your belt around you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to tell Peter how he would die and bring honor to God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. Now, I want you guys to do something for a second, if you would. Go ahead, turn down the lights, please. And I want you all just to close your eyes. I promise I'm not going to throw any Frisbees, but just close your eyes. And I want you to experience this in your mind. I want you to, to make your own movie, if you will. I want you to experience this in your mind and in your heart. Picture this. All right, I want you to picture this scene. It's dark. The waves are calmly lapping against the shore. There's some muffled chatter of men, and the, the crackling of the fire are the only sounds. Off to the side, a group of men sit eating. One of them stands apart. This is the guy who denied the Son of God. This is Peter. It hasn't been long since he told people that he'd never met Jesus, and the guilt is still raw. This isn't the first time he's encountered the risen Jesus, but maybe the initial joy has worn off and has been replaced by shame. Are you seeing this? Maybe it's seeing Jesus, the guilt is starting to creep back in. Have you been there? And then the moment of truth Jesus asks Peter to walk along the shore with him. Do you see them? This is it. This is the moment where where Peter will either stand condemned or, or become restored. The whole evening has been pointing towards something significant. And in the aftermath of the resurrection, Peter and a few of the other disciples, they've been unsuccessfully fishing. A voice from the shore, haven't you caught anything? Throw the nets over the other side. That'll do it. They follow the stranger's advice. They end up with this huge catch of fish, and, and because it's very similar to the miracle they witnessed when Peter first became a disciple, they realize who the voice on the shore belongs to. It's Jesus. The repeat of that early miracle sets the scene for Peter's reinstatement. Go ahead and open your eyes. I, I want to help you experience God through forgiveness today in the same way that I think Peter did. I want to use this story to set the scene for your own reinstatement, if you will, for your own restoration today. Picture this miraculous catch of fish followed by Peter jumping in both feet, splashing around, followed by all of a sudden it's serious and Jesus says, do you love me more than these? You know, the assumption is that Jesus is talking about the other disciples because just before his denial, Peter claimed that even if the other 11 abandoned Jesus, he never would. And now here's his chance to claim that and to actually mean it this time. How many times do we do that? Lord, I'm sorry. I really mean it this time. Here's here's Peter's opportunity. But what if, now just think about this for a moment. What if Jesus isn't talking about the other disciples, but instead he's talking about the fish and the boats and Peter's old life of being a fisherman. Peter, do you love me more than these these material things that have brought you success. Do you love me more than these? After all, for a man who, when given the chance to leave Jesus, replied with, Where would we go? He was very fast to return to the life of a fisherman at that point. We're going to get back to that in a moment. But right now, there's more going on in this conversation than that what if. You see, the word that Jesus uses for love is agape. It's, it's like the highest, noblest form of love. Agape is the love of God when John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's agape. This is the love that he was talking about. How about you? Do you love him? Go ahead and say it. Do you love him? That's not enough. Say, yes, I love Jesus. Jesus. How much do you love Jesus? Oh, sorry. That's no. Remember that song? Oh, yes. All right. Good. Um, Jesus asks him, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Peter replies. But he's not getting caught by Jesus' words because the love that Peter refers to is phileo, like, a, like brotherly love. It's a good and powerful love, but, but it's not divine like agape. Maybe Peter's humbled by his, by his denial, especially in light of everything, you know the times where he professed his loyalty uh, to Christ. So how do you love God? Or maybe Peter just doesn't think that a man can love like God and, and maybe he thinks the question is kind of unfair. Do you love me, Peter? Again, Jesus uses agape. And again, Peter replies with phileo. Can you picture in your mind, maybe Peter's getting a little bit frustrated. Maybe he's thinking the novelty of this is wearing off and if Jesus is gonna say something, then he should just come right out and say it. Just, just take me behind the woodshed, so to speak, and just, just get me squared away. And Jesus asks again, do you love me? And this time, Jesus uses phileo. And Peter is hurt. Well, Jesus must have heard what he said earlier because the only explanation is that he doesn't believe him, right? He says, Lord, you know I love you. And again, he uses phileo. And there it is. The love Jesus is asking for and the love Peter can give him finally match up. And Jesus accepts this. I want to really drive this home for you And so I want to bring this scene to life, and it's going to happen right here on the steps. Uh, Watch this. Jesus and Peter are on the shoreline. Let's listen in.
1: Grace, it is God's unwarranted favor for us. It's His amazing love. Yet sometimes we struggle to understand God's grace. If you're here this morning and that describes you, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggle to understand God's grace.
2: Jesus! Jesus, is really you! This is so great! This is really you! You're alive! Oh, wow! Okay, I'm in my boat and I'm not catching any fish. And then uh, somebody from the shore says... Throw your net on the other side of the boat. And I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. But I haven't caught any fish all night. So I throw the net on the other side of the boat. And this big gaggle of fish just pop right in the net. And I'm thinking, this is a miracle. Who could have done this? And I'm thinking, I've got to know. Who told me to throw the net on the other side of the boat? And so I look and boom, there you are right on the shore saying, it is I, the Lord. And here you are. You're alive. This is so great. Hey, Andrew, get out of that boat. It's him. Peter, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, of course I love you. You're alive. You're here. You're great. That's just awesome. (laughs) Feed my sheep. Andrew, come on, man, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. And I am so sorry about that rooster clucking thing. I did not know what it meant. But I know now, and and I'm I'm better for it.
1: Feed my sheep.
2: I'm here, seriously, smiling, but serious? Get out of the boat!
1: Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you love me?
2: Jesus, words cannot tell the passion I have for you. I love you with all my life. I love you with all that I have. You know everything. You know that I love you. Good, good. Feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so you. I mean, it's something new every day. That's what I love about you.
1: Peter, do you remember the morning the ladies went to the tomb?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. We were all in the upper room wondering what was going on because you were dead. And, well, we thought you you were dead. And we were trying to figure out all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, Mary comes running up and she's saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Don't let them in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And and then she got closer and I understood her correctly. And she was saying, he's alive. He's alive. He's (laughs) alive. And we're thinking, who's alive? What is this? And she said, I was at the tomb and the tomb was empty. And there's an angel standing there. And the angel said, Go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is all right. He is risen. And so she came running back. And then I heard, and John and I ran to the tomb. And if he says he beat me to the tomb, he is so lying. Because I beat him there. And when I got there, I looked in the tomb. And and it was, it was empty. And, And so I said, what does it mean? What does this mean? And John, he is so good with words. You know, he could write a book. He says to me, Jesus did everything he said he would do. And you did. It's done. You're here. This is great. Uh,
1: The angel. What what did the angel say? He
2: said, tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen.
1: He, He said, what?
2: He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He, he said my name. Why did he say my name?
1: Peter, that's grace.
2: No, no, I don't deserve that. That night, they kept coming to me, and they kept asking me if I knew you, and they, they asked if I belonged to you, and I kept denying you left and right. I have, I have, It'll take my whole life to, to make up for what I've done. I, I, it's unforgivable what I've done.
1: No, no, Peter. What I did was make, on the cross, what was unforgivable, forgivable. That's grace, Peter. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter.
0: You see that? At this point, that Peter isn't able to offer anything great or supernatural. He can't offer divine love. That's been demonstrated by the cross. You know, even in just a few verses later, he, it's gonna, he's going to sound a little bit jealous of John. It makes you wonder, maybe even his phileo is a bit wobbly <laughs> at that point. But you know, all this talk of different kinds of love, it's important. Because Jesus goes on and he gives a prophecy about Peter's eventual death. Verse 18, he says, I tell you for certain, when you were a young man, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will hold out your hands and others will wrap your belt around you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to tell how Peter would die and bring honor to God. And then he said to Peter, follow me. Now, according to tradition, Peter died a martyr. He he was crucified upside down, and his loyalty to Jesus may sometimes be confused, but it would never again waver as badly as it once did. These three questions, they cancel out the three denials. Restoration, reinstatement, experiencing God through forgiveness is an amazing thing. And while Peter could only offer Jesus all the phileo in his heart, maybe in the years to come, he would understand a little bit more of the agape. He'd pretty much have to, and I think Jesus being Jesus, he knew that. And you know, much of this passage, it echoes Peter's past, his mistakes, his life as a fisherman. There's a new element that points to his future because in between each of those do you love me questions, Jesus issues Peter with a command, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Why is this important? Because up until now, the metaphors around Peter's ministry have been reflected with his job. You you may remember this one. You'll be a fisher of men. Jesus originally tells him, as Peter gets out of the boat and begins to follow him, you'll be a fisher of men. And now, the evening's fish metaphors end, and we're into the realms of something that is deeper and more weighty. Peter is being given a role. He's been given the role of a shepherd for the disciples and for the future Christians. Maybe that's reflected in that hall of fish. Think back to that. Peter, they dragged this catch of fish ashore only to find that Jesus is already cooking fish. Here's where the plot twist comes. Brace yourselves, it's gonna be big. Jesus doesn't need a fisherman anymore. He's already caught the fish, Peter. He's cooking them. But that doesn't mean there isn't a role for Peter. It doesn't mean there isn't a role for us. You know, being a shepherd, it it links to the Hebrew scriptures where it serves as a metaphor for religious leaders, for our elders. In Numbers, even in the Old Testament, Numbers 27, 15 through 17, Moses asked God to appoint his successor so that Israel won't be a sheep without a shepherd. And in Ezekiel, chapter 34 is, is extended excuse me, is an extended attack on the bad shepherds, and it points out that God himself will act as a good shepherd, which also turns out to be a very famous description of Jesus, the good shepherd. And now Jesus seems to be appointing Peter as a shepherd also, to act as the leader of the fledgling church following Jesus' ascension. And so now we have this confused, impulsive former fisherman, and he goes on to succeed in his call of being a shepherd. That's why the reinstatement of Peter is so important. Remember, for Peter and for us, the goal is restoration. It's not perfection because we can't do that on our own. I don't think there's any doubt that Jesus forgave Peter. But I suspect that this moment... This moment is when Peter forgives himself. Have you had those moments? Maybe you need to have that moment where you forgive yourself. All his guilt, all his regrets, his treachery and his mistakes are put aside. They're left in the past as Jesus gives him a new destiny. One that is for him personally, not just for the church as a whole. On the shore of Lake Galilee, Jesus once again gives Peter a new life new purpose, freeing him from his past and his sins. Restoration is a beautiful thing. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Who is this man that can offer us new beginnings and forgiveness? And why does it even matter? I think in order for us to really understand forgiveness and restoration and new beginnings, we need to understand just how awesome Christ is. I want to make some comparisons about the awesomeness of Jesus and the commonness of our world. Because I really want you to to wrap your minds around this. I really want our our young people, today's Family Sunday, I really wanted to give something to our kids that, that will kind of turn them on end, if you will. You know, in chemistry, Jesus turned water to wine. In biology, he was born without the means of normal conception. In physics, he disproved the law of gravity when he walked on water and then later ascended into heaven. In economics, he disproved the law of diminishing return by feeding over 5,000 men with two fishes and a few loaves of bread. In medicine, he cured the sick and the blind without a single dose of any drug. In history, he is the beginning and the end. In government, he said that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. In religion... He said, no one comes to the Father except through Him. So who is He? He is Jesus. He brings forgiveness. He brings restoration. And we should celebrate Him, not just on Resurrection Sunday, but every day we should celebrate Him. He is worthy of that. Your job is to remain in God and seek His will. Now, I don't know about you, but as I look at what I've experienced in life, in this world, I have lost much. But in God, I have found everything. What I want to share with you here just a second, I read in an email, which someone probably got off the internet, which means it's true. (laughs) I don't know who originally authored these next few words, but I thought, you know, it kind of helps finish off this picture. It says, The greatest man in history was Jesus, yet he had no servants. They called him Master. He had no degree, and they called him teacher. He had no medicines, and they called him healer. He had no army, but kings feared him. He won no military battles, but he conquered the world. He committed no crime, and they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Man, that's powerful. That's our God. And if he can do all of those awesome things, he can surely restore us. And we can surely experience him in forgiveness. I feel honored to serve a leader like that. One who who loves us, who forgives us, who restores us, even though the best we can offer him sometimes is just phileo. Brotherly love. He offered the whole love when he laid himself down with us. He always offers us agape. That's how he loves us. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know if you need a moment of, of repentance and, and restoration like Peter. Or, or if you're like the people in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 38, who, who heard the word of the Lord and, and, and they had questions, and maybe this is your question. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Folks, it's just that simple. The goal is restoration. Jesus died on the cross for us so that we would not suffer in our sins. Scripture tells us that we will be held accountable for the things that we know, and now you know what Christ has done for you, and you know what you should do for Him. From the example we saw in Peter today, you know that Jesus offers us second chances the opportunity to experience God time and time again through forgiveness. We also know from what we saw in Peter today that Jesus expects us to do more than just fish. He gives us those those chances, those experiences through forgiveness so that we can continue to be faithful unto death. Whether you need restoration as a Christian or a fresh start with salvation through baptism... Or maybe you've been flying under the radar, so to speak, as a Christian, and you realize today that Jesus doesn't need just another fisherman in the boat, but rather he needs shepherds in the field that are becoming white with harvest. Will you respond to God's word as we have our response time? Will you stand and, and sing with us? And today, you are ready for restoration, and that you are ready to experience him in forgiveness. It's been great to worship with you guys today. Uh, to talk about restoration and experiencing God and forgiveness. And now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want you to think on these things. You know, there was a time when the mindset of the average Christian was that of a fisherman. All I have to do is catch my friends and bring them to church. Yep, catch them and bring them in. and The preacher or the elders or the Sunday school teachers, they'll clean them and get them ready for service. <laughs> you know, it's true. Well, Peter... Jesus doesn't need any more fishermen. He needs shepherds. He needs folks that are going to feed and love and take care of his sheep. This week, I want to challenge you. Put your fishing pole away and pick up your Bible and see how God will use you to feed his sheep and be a reflection of him. Show him how you love him this week. Don't just say that you do. After we get done with our final song, we're going to need some help getting some tables and some chairs out. So go ahead and stand one more time and we're going to sing, and we're going to have a great week. Thank you.